Hey, this is Tony Holbein. You're listening to The Revenue Formula. Today's episode is talking about why you shouldn't obsess about forecasting too much. We're going to go through three things. Number one, what's the actual purpose of a forecast? To be really clear on that. Number two, why it doesn't make sense to obsess about it too much. And then in the end, we're actually going to cover three or four different tactical pieces of what you should be doing instead. So it's... That was the intro, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. So who's going to do it today, actually? Is it going to be the soir or the moi? The sun is shining. And we're, blue. we're back in the studio. That's right. Again, lights are on. Shades. No, I mean, we, we struggled because we had to block out the sun like crazy. With, <laughs> I mean, people obviously can't see it, but they're like 20 different sheets of paper on the window right now. And then right you now. get like the one line on the wall <laughs> yeah. that we just have no, to get the, rid of. The sun is going to move just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. We're recording so we can hopefully get some of this stuff up on uh, YouTube. So if people like listening to us, they can also start watching us. Wonderful. Um, and, you know, we talked about... that's a good thing. I'm not yeah, sure. I was about to say the room gets a little bit hot. So, you know, you can be sweating a bit or I can get red in the face. We'll sort it all out. It's going to be, you know, a real treat to fix that. Wonderful. Today, we're going to talk a bit about forecasts. Yeah. And, you know, weather forecasts, they're notoriously wrong. So the, the other day I tried to get the kids ready for daycare and outside it was sunny and hot, forecast said rain. And how, how do you make a decision? So you just pack everything, Mm -hmm. right? But we're going to talk a bit about forecasting and why you might not want to obsess too much about it. And so there's a lot of type of forecasting you can do. Let's, we, the thing is, we got some feedback the other day. Maybe we should take that feedback now, right? So we, we have a bunch of acronyms in our space. Yeah, I think SaaS, they go, yeah. software as a service, very much, uh, very heavy in all of those acronyms. And for some reason, they're all three letters. Did you notice? Yeah. It's always basically three letters. There are very few that are two or five or something like that. And I think to make it more accessible, we're going to try and, you know, stop each other whenever applicable and explain some of that stuff. And I think sometimes we're going to, some some of the acronyms we'll at some point just assume that people know. Mm. Um, let's see about that. Um, and some of the other stuff that we're, that we're using a little bit less frequently, we'll, we'll kind of double click and explain. Yeah, I mean, we love feedback. We want to make the show better. So if you have any, drop us a message at podcast at growblocks.com. Yeah, thanks to Beers. Yeah, <laughs> good shout out. So what type of forecast are we going to talk a bit about today? And and how does it usually work? Let's let's start from the beginning there and just, you know, set the stage. Yeah. So there are all kinds of different things that people call forecast in uh, SaaS or in uh, in sales. Sometimes the CFO calls, you know, the year forecast mm. and kind of says, says reforecasting is what they do on a maybe on a quarterly basis. Really what most people refer to as a forecast is in sales when it is really a, a couple of opportunities are progressed to a certain stage. And then uh, someone asks the sales manager or the VP sales, what number are we going to hit by the end of the quarter? That, that usually then is considered the sales forecast. And what the VP sales then usually does either goes into the CRM, but basically sums up all the different opportunities or deals that are open, Mm. checks the probability of them closing by when, and then the value attached to those probabilities, right? It's really kind of a, what is it? It's it's not called a weighted average, but basically kind of calculating it out. And then there comes out a number and that then sometimes tends to be the forecast. Mm. And there's a couple of problems with that 
and I can already now maybe drop a bit of the shoe here. There's someone sitting manually entering this stuff, right? I mean, you can, so, so some of that forecasting problem has been solved also through tooling. Um, I think there are a couple of issues here. Do you have the, um, let's just start with the, the, the most basic standard way of doing it. So as I said before, you would have a, an account executive in AE uh, entering that information to a CRM, custom relationship management software. Yeah. I think it's, I think there's going to be a challenge. Anyway. <laughs> um, and, um, and then you kind of, you know, click a report and then you have that stuff, right? Some flaws here, obviously that the A's are not putting the, the data correctly that they maybe don't know. And maybe the VP of sales has a different opinion, yada, yada, all of that stuff. And then there is, you can use forecasting software as well. Uh, they basically look at those opportunities and, um, you know, check how similar opportunities have behaved in the past. They're using, uh, you know, even activity data and stuff. It's pretty sophisticated. It's pretty good, um, I think. And uh, it, it does help you to kind of shortcut this whole, uh, you know, what, what's the number we're going to hit at the end of the, of the quarter, mm -hmm. right? And, and then, you know, when you then go a little bit away from this, mid-market enterprise approach where you have sales cycles that are 30 to 30 days, sometimes to nine months, right? Where forecasting is really impactful because that, you know, the forecast basically is something that only allows you to look into the future as, you know, your average sales cycle, mm. right? Maybe, you know, think about that, but that's basically only what it does. Then you have SMB businesses uh, or SMB companies selling to, companies selling to SMBs. And they sometimes have sales cycles of two weeks yeah. or 30 days or something like that. You can forecast two weeks out. So you can basically forecast two weeks out. And the, the, the funny thing is your uh, the, the CEO will still ask the VP of sales what number we're going to hit by the end of the quarter. Yeah. And now the VP of sales actually needs to do, usually what they do is um, they kind of guess a little bit. Been there myself. That's a little bit what you do. Uh, but basically now you are having, you're blending two things. You're kind of having on the one inside, you have a little bit of a forecast. So you look at the stuff that you have in front of you. You say what the probabilities of those. Um, and then you also know, hey, I'm going to create something tomorrow and the week after and so forth. And this is where in our world, we're merging in something that we would call a model, mm. actually, right? Now we kind of know, hey, there's stuff happening in the future that then also will close and that in total with what I have today and what is going to happen tomorrow, uh, that in total is then going to be, you know, the number for the quarter. Mm. So why why are we so obsessed mm -hmm. about the forecasts? Yeah, so and that is, a, that is a really good question. Thank you. I think <laughs> it's not that we've written it down or something <laughs> no, like that no, for no. you. <laughs> no, but... Um, so I think there are a couple of reasons. And, and forecasting obviously is super popular. Um, a lot of people are obsessing a lot about it. Mm. We obviously believe that they obsess too much about it. Um, but really the purpose of forecasting, I think, is... I think, on uh, you know, number one, you as a CEO, you as a VP of sales, you want to be giving the correct number upwards that some of your superiors then can lean on and, you know, then communicate that potentially to the board, potentially to, you know, your shareholders, if you have something like that, and so forth. Um, maybe you want to even make uh, or base investment decisions based on this. So it's it's usually a pretty sensitive thing, right? You want to get it right. The, the other reason is a little bit more down-to-earth and practical. It's, am I going to get paid my commission or not mm. this quarter? Yeah? And that is, that is usually... You know, not not to trying to kind of talk it down, but that's usually the the driver that then the VP of sales has then also to 
you know, the RevOps guys. It's like, hey, you know, what, what number are we going to have? And we really need to get this forecast tight and everything needs to be perfect. Sure, I need to report this up, but also, am I going to get fired or <laughs> am I going to get, you know, can I, can I buy a new house or something like that, yeah. right? Kind of those are, those are some of the motivations behind it, which are put in place on purpose almost, right? That's mm -hmm. the idea with all of that commission stuff. And I think those two things, you know, combined is a little bit of, you know, uh, confidence, you know, that, that's, that's what it describes and uh, what it helps you communicate. I think the, the, the last part here is something that is more about using it as an enablement tool for your sales folks. Mm. Uh, grilling someone on their uh, pipeline and deals to create that forecast usually is also a great coaching opportunity. Usually it kind of helps focus the account executives on the right things and it reinforces the sales process that you maybe put in place, right? Mm. Um, but that's it. Yeah. So, and and I think this is now, you know, rounding this up, the issue is that you could argue none of it really created much business value. No. And that's kind of our problem with this and, and, and why we're saying people shouldn't obsess too much about it. Really kind of, you know, taking two steps back, does it really fundamentally change a business if you close something on, you know, March 31st versus April 1st? Or, or any other month or quarter? Um, and the, the answer is likely no, right? You could probably say that, hey, wait wait a minute, you know, if you do all of this enablement for those reps, maybe their close rate is going to go up, maybe the ACV is going to go up, and that's probably true, probably totally true. But really, you know, zooming out and looking at the, you know, well, the revenue formula, actually, mm. you're really only touching two things in a slight degree, and and we just believe it's it's an insane amount of time yeah. wasted on you know that specific part of the of the funnel, right? And the funnel is much much larger than this last last couple of steps in that in that yeah. process. And I think also if you have an organization where the account executives need to sit and assess all this, put it into the CRM. So assuming you don't have a tool mm -hmm. that does it for you, right? That takes a lot of time. Then the sales manager needs to compile it. Revenue operations is involved. Then you know C level. There's a lot of people spending a lot of time on something fairly simple. And and I think there's, no, well, you know, I'm not sure if it's simple necessarily. I think mm. in some cases it's not so simple. But I think what it also creates is if you if you create lots of airtime and pressure and focus on it as a, as a C-level or as a, as a VP level, well, guess what everyone around and below you will do? They will yeah. kind of focus on this all the time, right? And instead... You know, thinking about growing your business, what could be more impactful than increasing your conversion rate by, you know, a point or two or your ACV by, you know, maybe 10, 10 points or something like that? Well, it is, how can I get more of those opportunities? How can I get more leads? How can I set up another revenue stream? How can mm. I do all of those things instead of trying to capture all the, the, the brain time in your organization to kind of focus on this forecasting thing mm. that really doesn't, you know, move the needle much? So basically we're saying forecasting is not like you should stop doing it. There's still some value, but too much time is being spent on forecasting in itself. And that limits you from doing, you know, other things that will have an impact on the revenue generating initiatives you can run. Yeah. I, th I think if anyone here listening to is taking one thing away is that creating a forecast or focusing on forecasting really 
actually doesn't move the needle for the business much. It really simply doesn't. And you should spend time accordingly. Um, obviously, you know, it, you shouldn't disregard it. You mm. shouldn't forget about it. It has a purpose. It's, you know, it's there for a reason. But at the other side, there, there's there's a clear limit to what that can achieve for you as a, as, as a growing company. And, and having that realization, I think it's really important because yeah. there is a lot of time spent on this where people just need to say like, wait a minute, why why are we doing this? Um, should we kind of do something else instead, yeah. right? And I, and I do feel that, you know, uh, VP sales, for example, you know, that is his or, or her full-time job, of course, but it's not the full-time job of the CRO. It's not the full-time job of revenue operations. Those folks actually are looking at the full funnel end-to-end, and that funnel starts with, you know, your demand chain activities, and it ends with customers churning or upselling. Mm. Uh, the forecasting bit is really just a small piece in between. So maybe going a bit, you know, taking a left turn, how if you're in the situation where you have VP sales constantly in need of this forecast and you're sitting in revenue operations and you know, okay, this is not going to help us move the needle. It's going to be, you know, we can look out two, three weeks, that's it. And we're not going to make a material impact for the coming months after that point in time. How should they navigate that conversation? Yeah, I think number one, set up a system and structure around the forecasting that makes sense. In some companies, that might be a weekly meeting. Mm. In some companies, it's, you know, twice a month or something like that. And, you know, lock it in around that. Then the next thing, the conversation that you should have in those forecasting should be highly structured. It shouldn't be always, you know, going back and forth and every single specific deal should be discussed. And, you know, and the, uh, the the prep for that should just be time boxed. Yeah, mm. that's that's I think how I'm how I'm thinking about it. And then usually what you know, VP of sales and revenue operations then kind of end up with is kind of an Excel spreadsheet somewhere. And you know, we we all love and hate it, but try and not overcomplicate it. Yeah, right. Kind of don't 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 spend your time on this. If you are in the position to buy forecasting tooling for that, do that. By the way, Growblox doesn't do forecasting. <laughs> We're talking a lot about those tools, but there, there's some other stuff out there you could uh, really nicely buy. And I think much more importantly, have a conversation with your stakeholder hmm. that you could spend your time also on other things that drive actual revenue for the business yeah. and and educate them potentially. And that sounds you know sometimes a bit uh, arrogant, obviously, but you know walk them through the logic here and say, wait a minute, you know the time we're spending on forecasting. That really is a sales enablement for the AEs and we shouldn't overdo it. We should rather spend some more time somewhere else and here are two other projects I could do instead. Dear VP, should I rather work on this or should I you know, uh, tweak the, the forecast on a weekly level to the nth degree? Mm. So we talked a bit about forecasting now, mm-hmm. right? What it is, you know, why you should still have some level of forecast and also how you can buy essentially time to other things. One of the things you and I discussed last week was essentially, well, what do you then do with that time instead, mm-hmm. right? And where can you then start to make an impact on revenue? Because that's ultimately where we want to get. And I really, you know, I, I really find it helpful that we're providing a process you mm-hmm. can follow to kind of make sure you don't overspend on on forecasting, but you might then want to channel that time into something else. Yeah. So I think this is. So I had this problem a lot. Um, and also from a RevOps perspective, so how can I actually kind of help drive growth? Mm. I mean, it it comes a little bit back to, I was kind of touching on this very briefly just before, kind of the revenue formula, yeah. right? And 
in its simplest form, the revenue formula means a number of opportunity teams times uh, the conversion rate of those two, closed one, times the average contract value, ACV, times the sales cycle. Yeah, you know, in that case, uh, sales cycle is a little bit, you know, uh, different, and then leading to revenue. Mm. Right now, you have those four variables, uh, and and if you look at them, you will very quickly kind of come to the conclusion that the conversion rate stuff, it's kind of channel dependent. If it's if it's outbound, you know, you will have ten percent depending. If it's inbound, it might be twenty percent in the mid market, it might be forty percent in the SMB. But, but it's usually pretty locked and pretty stable over time. Yeah. Uh, you can do some enablement, but it's difficult. Your average contract value usually also fairly locked in, right? You can do some product development and so forth, but usually the, the contract value is also simply dictated by the competition you have, right? There's a market. Sales cycle is basically dependent on the average contract value that you have. The higher that is, the longer your sales cycle is gonna be, right? So you're gonna end up looking at this and realizing, wait a minute, those three factors here, they're kind of locked. Yeah. They're kind of you know stuck in time. Maybe you can move you know one or two of them up just a little bit. What's gonna come out of the, you know, at the end in terms of revenue, it's kind of limited, right? So really you're gonna default back and be like, well, the one thing that I can 10x or 100x or 1000x is this opportunity thing, mm. right? And then spending time on you know figuring out how can we get more of those, and that sometimes is a is is a twofold thing. So one is you know what other channels can we create, um, and you know how many more SDRs can we SDR sales development reps can we can we add, uh, you know, or can we can we do something else here with partnerships and so forth. Um, but the the other side of the coin is also which of those channels is maybe most impactful in a CAC payback perspective? So customer acquisition cost payback. It's, so that really means um, it's the um, return of investment on your sales and marketing investments. And you know, looking, looking at that channel by channel, it, you know, the reason why this is interesting is you could then figure out uh, you know, where can we maybe improve efficiency-wise? Why is it important? Well, then you have more money you can you know put back into the machine mm. in order to create more of those opportunities, right? And looking at that problem for a long time and really deeply, um, you know, solving that and creating more opportunities, that is really that is really the key. And sometimes I kind of I joke about it, and and the, the one thing that's not discussed in those forecasting meetings, which should be discussed all the time, are all the deals that never ended up being created and therefore not being in the forecast. Mm. Right, it's kind of all of the all of the opportunity, largely you know, largely speaking, all of the people that don't know you, all of the deals that didn't get to a specific stage. Those are this is probably a much much bigger uh, source of of additional revenue than hey, is this deal going to close uh, in two weeks or in three weeks? Yeah, I think it's it's helpful to kind of have that northern staff knowing if you can increase the throughput of that formula then you will get more revenue. Mm -hmm. And I remember we at some point talked about, hey, can we lift the production per SDR, so mm -hmm. sales development rep, mm -hmm. meaning how many meetings they would book. Mm -hmm. And obviously we didn't know, but we tried and it didn't work out in that case. But I think that's the type of work you need to hone in on and figure out where do you have some levers potentially you can pull to impact this. And, and the forecast, guess what, is not going to be what helps you get there. Yeah. It's just not. I think this is a great point, actually. So let's just maybe quickly come up with one or two or three examples of 
where can you know small improvements lead to more opportunities? Mm. Maybe look at it like that, actually. <laughs> so one is you mentioned increase the average uh, meeting booking per month per sales development rep, mm -hmm. right? We, we, we tried that before. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. There's some, you know, hilarious stuff that went on there. Kind of, we spent a lot of commission money, didn't move the needle at all. And then really, this is a great revenue operations job, actually kind of, okay, what is really the limiting factor here for those SDRs? And sometimes it's a workflow. Sometimes it's access to leads. Sometimes it's something else. Sometimes it's, hey, this, this thing in Salesforce takes me 10 minutes every time I need to do it. I need to do it 100 times a day. You know, can someone optimize that away, right? That's totally one. I think another one is uh, if you think about the inbound side of things, how can we? And this is a this is a typical one, and, and some people hate it, uh, but you know it does work though. How can we cut down the time for first response to below five minutes or two minutes yeah. or something like that on an inbound? Right. So inbound lands. How long does it take for uh, one of your, in this case, market development reps? You know, jump on a call and reach out or write an email or touch them in any other shape or form. Could sometimes also be uh, through a chat app and stuff like that on the website, right? If you decrease the the, the time to first, you know, dial basically here, um, you know, you know what? Your, your contract rates are going to go up. Uh, and if you have more connect rates, you will be able to have more conversations, which will lead to more actual opportunities, mm. right? There's some, you know, outdated potentially by now, but Harvard Business Review Study or something like that kind of showing this curve like very clearly. So those were kind of two examples. Mm -hmm. um, There's a third. And the third is you're in most cases going to have a marketing department that spends a lot of money on paid advertising. Yeah. And what happens, and I, and, I, and I know this because I've spoken by now with a few marketers at different B2B SaaS companies, is you keep running things the way they are. Mm -hmm. And you just pour more money equally into mm -hmm. the different channels and markets. But the, the problem here is you're going to have a market where you can go and buy an opportunity for less money. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you start scaling that at the expense of another market? And usually this is a really tricky conversation yeah. because you're going to have a sales manager responsible for whatever market that you potentially want to cut a bit on. And then it's you know a, a bit of politics. And this is a point where revenue operations play a crucial role yep. because they're not biased. They can present the facts and there could be a conversation around how do we then change the allocation. And I think there is so much opportunity here. Even if you start looking per channel, you're going to have the same where it's, hey, we've always run Instagram ads or, or something else, but there's not value in it. And it's it might be more sensible to take that budget and say, well, hey, this is not demand gen. Mm -hmm. This is we can use that for awareness building. Let's mm -hmm. let's go and do something else where we measure it differently, so it has a long term yeah. uh, impact instead. No, and revenue operations can totally help out in um, not only navigating that conversation with mm -hmm. you know the sales manager, but also um, maybe staffing this other team that gets more to a different degree. Right, yeah. kind of basically thinking through the full funnel. Kind of when we when those two things are being uh, you know achieved and built. That, that makes actually a bunch of sense. And then maybe kind of a last one is your existing customer base, right? It's kind of a typical, you know, great way to get some more opportunities. Tactical stuff is you will obviously have in your customer base lots of turnover on the on the customer side. Mm. So your DM or your user or something like that, will DM is decision maker, will leave uh, and go to another company. Figuring out how to systemize that 
uh, and then feed it back as an opportunity or as a, as in that case kind of as a lead uh, to sales or to account management is a perfect way to say, uh, hey, John, you know, I know you really loved working with us uh, back there at, you know, uh, company X, Y, and Z. Um, have you thought about implementing in a way you are right now? Mm -hmm. Right? Kind of that is inherently difficult to kind of, you know, piece this together, but it uh, it can work. And it then is really, it's a very warm spot for your reps to prospect into. This is the most tactical we've probably become. Yeah. I kind of I like it. I hope there's going to be some good feedback on on that one let's uh, let's see about that i hope the listeners out there enjoyed it we certainly had fun i think we had fun again yeah again and uh, we're gonna keep having fun we're gonna do it again next week with no, another episode i mean we had like stuff written down today we didn't talk about it prepared. <laughs> <laughs> we jumped over everything it was fantastic yeah but i uh, hope you have a great day out there thanks tony thanks michael bye have a good one oh, we couldn't time it this time yeah, yeah. <laughs> bye <laughs>